College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 29 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney, and I am joined by two of the greatest Americans, Aaron J. Fitt, Kendall J. Rogers. Greatest is like that puts you in a big, you know, in a big group and an exclusive group at the same time. It's kind of safe, isn't it, Fitzy? How would you? Well, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Kendall. I was going to say the fa- the founding fathers, Aaron Fit, kind of the same difference. <laughs> you guys yeah. are the founding fathers of D1 baseball. <laughs> I mean, come on now. Yeah, uh, no, I'll, I'll take it, Roots. I'll take it. How, how are you today? I'm good. Every time I think of the word founder, um, in my in the, my fantasy football league that I care about, some one of my my roommate from college, who's our commissioner, who we love to just shred, he he took Justin Herbert for one dollar in our auction, and mm-hmm. as a rookie, you get to just keep him every year for double, and one year he felt like he had a chance to make a big run, so he traded traded Herbert, who would have been his keeper for mm-hmm. like ten years. Um, and didn't even, you know, didn't work out. So now every time Justin Herbert goes off, we we call my buddy hashtag Justin's founder. So that's where I'm going with that is just to dig it in there right there. You could have Justin Herbert forever. And now you have to watch him just torture your team. How, so anyway, how are you looking right now, Runes? Are you terrible? Carrots? Terrible. Terrible. Carrots are terrible. I'm 2-0, oh, baby. Yeah, you you guys win every year. I might have to have like a therapy session. With you know you. what's the key? What's the key is especially for like your I don't bench. know what the key is. I'm over twenty. Well, the key seasons. the key is for like your bench. So all the people I play with, not to make this a fantasy football discussion, but all the people I play with don't really follow college football that much. Well, you know me, like I follow college football religiously. So like all these college guys that are just stars in college, they don't really know a lot about. Like I'll pick them and put them on my bench. And dude, I mean, they are money when I throw them in there. It's like Garrett Wilson. Your... Garrett Wilson last week had like thirty, like thirty-four points or something, and I, I got him in like the ninth round. Like, come on. So anyway. I don't think we should talk about fantasy football because you're going to get a depressed version of Coach Rooney. Aaron doesn't look it... like he's real happy about his team either over there. Four teams. I, I have four teams, and I don't like any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Fitzy, you're like you're like a Fortune five, Fortune fifty fantasy football conglomerate you just have all these teams and all these different leagues I hey uh can i can i can i give some fit some homework for next week's podcast Ooh, i kind of want his overall thoughts on the rift between giselle and uh tom brady oh that, that is up your alley fitzy so, yeah, so just do some homework and let me know what you think next week please i think the rift is a, is a figment of your imagination <laughs> there's no rift no no collusion no rift just needs the receivers to get healthy that's all that's it Boys, speaking of losing a lot um, and trying to be better, this podcast is brought to us by our friends at S2 Cognition, who could really help a losing fantasy football owner like me. But their real specialty is people that want to get better at sports and baseball. And S2 Cognition delivers a revolutionary approach to helping athletes understand how in-game decisions impact their performance from the youth levels to the pro levels. All of my decisions turn out terribly, so there's no question as to could help us. But these guys are awesome. We encourage you to check out their stuff. Uh, boys, here's what I, what I thought we could do today is we had an awesome conversation with Rob Vaughn, the head coach at Maryland, yesterday. And I wanted to just kind of – the Big Ten is, you know, I think you could argue the most fascinating league in college baseball right now for a number of reasons. 
And I wanted to put a capper on that. I also, Kendall, at some point, I think that'll lead us into there's just constant questions that we're all getting about, hey, when are more coaches going to get paid in college baseball? And I think that dovetails mm-hmm. into what um, we learned from Rob. Um, I also want to talk about the top 100 programs. Th- those are on the website 10 a day right now. And that has been my first time ever participating in the exercise. It's been awesome. Super, um, super entertaining. We'll talk about some programs that stand out and then I, I, a, a potential rule change. I want to get your guys take on. Um, so, so uh, let's, let's do, let's put a capper on the, the big 10 discussion. Kendall or Fitzy with some, some, some thoughts on what we learned from Rob yesterday. Go ahead, Aaron. No, I was gonna. I was gonna defer to you, Ken. Look, you're, okay. You're ready um, to go. I, I think the biggest thing for me is is I love these coaches' interviews because you know most of these guys are naturals, right? But like, I, I just think when you when you hear Rob and hear his passion for that program, like it would be really easy for a coach like that at a place like Maryland when you look at their facilities and things like that to go, you know what, like, hey, it's it's been great building this program up, but I really wish we had this. I really wish we had that. And he really does seem like a kind of coach who, you know, lives in the moment. And I think that kind of – I think that permeates to his players. I think the way that, you know, he handled uh, that team last year, the way he handled, uh, you know, Costas, you know, with his, his battle with mental health. I thought Walter Villa during the season had a phenomenal story on that. Uh, just the way he managed all those different things, uh, I don't think it, it's any surprise that he came off as as, as that sharp and, and that in tune with, with what his program is. And what he realizes it probably won't be in terms of facilities. And so you kind of deal with the hand that you have. But um, I think when you look at the Big Ten overall, uh, I thought it was illuminating. You know, we were talking, uh, you know, off air uh, about – you know, the, the Big Ten coaches meetings. And he didn't go into specifics, but, you know, uh, Kevin Warren actually showed up and was there to talk to the coaches. And I think that's one thing that's very important for the Big Ten, at least for the coaches and just their peace of mind that during all this realignment, all this moving and shaking, all this money making, like he's, he's actively getting involved. He being Kevin Warren is actually getting involved with these coaches. And that's going to be important moving forward because, uh, you know, I get it, guys. Like the Big Ten – as long as the season starts when it does, it's always going to be at a disadvantage. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's just the reality of college baseball. But as you're, if you're the Big Ten, you're adding USC, you're, you're adding UCLA, you're probably not done adding teams. Like, it, it, it would be insane and silly to not care about the number, you know, the number two grossing sport in NCAA championships. So I think the fact that he's getting involved is a good thing. I think he's also getting involved because I think he realizes that he doesn't really like he doesn't have a shoe to kind of a shoe to stand on any you know moving forward when it comes to coaches because when it comes to the transformation committee like they they are going to allow more coaches whether Kevin Warren likes it or not that's not going to be a Big Ten decision and that's going to be a power conference decision and so that is coming um, and the question you know before all this is kind of, is the big 10 going to be on board? And it sounds like they probably will end up being on board. So it's just kind of funny to see how things have changed from, Hey, we're going to, we're going to fight, you know, having an extra coach, no matter what to, Hey, maybe we should be working with these guys on this and, and, you know, kind of striving to, to give college baseball more coaches. Uh, I will say this when it comes to more coaches in college baseball, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, with me on this or not. I think you do. But um, I think when you look at the number of coaches, I was just talking to, to Jim Schlossnagel about this earlier this morning. 
when you look at the number of coaches that the conferences is going to allow, if you remember originally the transformation committee came out with their, you know, their different prongs and they said, Hey, we're going to make it to where the big 12, if they want to have seven coaches, you can, if the sec wants to have 10, you can, uh, if the ACC only wants to have three, they only have three. Well, now it sounds more like we're going to get to a point where we you know we're going to set a cap at four or five and you can't go over that. And I want y'all's take, but like, I, I like that. I know Aaron might be a little surprised because I'm kind of one of those people like, Hey, if you have, have the money, do whatever the heck you want. But I do like a sense of uniformity because I don't think it is fair for South Carolina to have seven coaches, but you know, college of Charleston, Chad Holbrook can only afford four. What's your yeah. take on that Fitzy? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, you know, as, as long as we're going to have, um, all these schools still compete for the same, you know, on the same, under the same basic parameters. I think it's important that we don't have such an enormous disparity and, and things like that. I mean, there needs to be some kind of, of baseline. I, I agree. Um, now that said, there's still haves and have nots and there always will be, but uh, we don't need to make it, you know, Yankees versus Royals here. You know, I mean, um, I, I just, well, I guess, I guess I should rephrase that. I mean, you have one, you have, you have a Yankees type program like LSU or Arkansas or Mississippi state or whatever that, that has all the, they're still going to have all those resources. Um, but like, let's not change the rules, I guess as well for the, for their benefits. Does that make sense. I mean, yeah. like it, it feels like, um, you know, those major league teams, they all ha- have the same like basic um, structure, the same, the same, you know, you might have a hundred million dollar payroll, but you still can only have so many players in your roster and, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, it just feels like that, that is the right answer. I mean, you know, we don't need to make the gap any wider than it's already going to be. I think yeah. my, my point yeah. on it though, is like, I, you know, f- I will say this, like the thought of capping the number of jobs that we're creating mm-hmm. in our sport. Oh, that makes me that my insides don't feel good about that. But I think definitions matter, right? Like coaches that are working with players, coaches who can be on the road, um, you know, we have all these qualitative assistants or whatever they're called. And I just, I like, especially now that professional baseball has shrunk the number of jobs that they're able to provide, uh, you know, if, if college baseball can make that a net push because of the shrinking of the minor leagues that, you know, so again, I think the definitions matter. I get what coach, I think one of the big fears that coaches have is that every sec school's got two full-time assistants who are basically advanced scouts. Like, uh, actually, like more amateur scouts, like these guys don't even show up to practice. They just go recruit amateur tournaments. And I don't think any of us want that. Um, I, I think there's ways that you can creatively, you know, you can make rules around that. Like, hey, you know, coaches have caps on the number of days they can be on the road. So you can't just have a, a, a scout only coach. Um, I don't know, like smart people can think about that and figure it out. But I do you know, like, I think, I think there's a, there's an, a happy answer in there, a happy medium where, hey, you can have a cap that is generous, but not ridiculous, right? Like, I don't know, maybe seven paid coaches. That doesn't feel ridiculous to me, but it gives a chance to create jobs or maybe it's the definitions. Who knows? E- either way, I think this well, is, yeah. oh, go ahead, Kendall. What I, no, what I was going to say is just on the assistant side, like, you know, I, I'm okay actually with having like a cap on four or five assistants. What I would like to see, and, and granted, like programs across the country and some of these bigger conferences have gotten very creative. I think Vanderbilt was kind of the, the first one. But, you know, create more jobs surrounding the team. For instance, 
you know, you think about college football. I think about the University of Texas right now in football with Gary Patterson, who's at TCU. He's now an analyst at Texas and yeah. has been successful doing that. And so maybe you create kind of these analyst positions, but for baseball. Um, the other thing that's really interesting, and I think this is going to be a hot topic of discussion at the ABCA uh, in January in Nashville, is if we're going to have four or five coaches, like what are the recruiting rules around this? Because, uh, you know, if we're going to say, if we're going to tell the transformation committee, hey, in baseball, we need more coaches because, you know, what's the what's the the main goal here? To give our players more instructions. So, you know, what are we going to do? Have five coaches and have all five of them out on the recruiting trail? So how how the the committee handles that and like how what the restrictions are with those extra one or two spots is going to be really interesting because I, I could see a scenario to where, you know, the, you know, they take the volunteer label off, give you a full-time position, but I could see a scenario where that person's still not allowed to go out and recruit. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I could see that happening. And I don't think that's the right answer. I mean, no, I know, don't I, either. Uh, I think I think if you allow those coaches to share the recruiting burden mm-hmm. um, in, in some form or fashion, we don't know exactly what that would look like. Maybe can I mean, ruins maybe your idea about having a certain cap, the number of hours that each person can get on the road or whatever. Maybe that's the answer, but like, uh, I, I, you know, if you're going to allow them to convert that volunteer position into a full-time position and not allow the coaches to go out and recruit, I mean, that would be stupid. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that will happen fortunately. Um, and I don't think it's the right thing because one of the, one of the reasons that you know coaches want more more full time staff members is a to spread the recruiting burden around a little bit more and b help develop those those coaches and prepare them uh, for their next job and get them some recruiting experience. So it just it would seem counterintuitive to say, oh yep. yeah, you can be full time now, but you can't go recruit. I think it, it it becomes a little bit of a rabbit trail, and I'll I'll take us back to the Big Ten in a second um, because this is super pertinent for them. But it's um you know I, I think. The recruiting thing is such a bugaboo, and it's so important, right? It's the, it, it, in many ways, it's the difference between a program winning and losing. But in my mind, the answer to and there's no perfect answer to this recruiting situation, but is a fall roster cap that's reasonable, so that teams can't stockpile players and then just discard them as they wish. And I know that sounds a little crass, but in many ways, that is kind of what's happening. And then the other part of it is. The, um, you know, how early we're recruiting the kids. Like, I, I think we all agree that recruiting eighth graders is not a good thing. We just we, we just have to put some rules in place to, to try and curtail that. So I think if we could do those two things where, hey, you can only recruit, you can only create so big of a roster and you can only talk to players in certain windows. Um, I think we solve some of those situations, not 100 percent, but we get to a better place. Kendall. Kendall. Oh, Rudes, I actually kind of go back to your fall roster cap. I actually love that idea, by the way. Yeah, I think I think it it would it's you know, again, kids are gonna there there I think what the way that'll play out is coaches will have to adjust some things, meaning that hey, like if you know a team's got a lot of commitments, they're trying to figure out the draft, you might keep recruiting a kid through the summer just saying, Hey, I hope it works out great at Rooney University. But, you know, they, they have a lot of kids who were drafted, whatever way that turns, know you've got a home here if things go sideways. You know, it, we'll figure that part out for sure. You know, that, that I don't know. There's a, it's funny. There's a lot 
to to work through. You know, it, yeah. it, the, the enterprise keeps on moving. Uh, let me put a cap on the Big Ten this way, boys. This is super interesting. You've got UC, USC and UCLA coming in. You've got the super, the high of the 2019, Michigan's got a chance to win the national championship. The last two years, I would consider not, you know, a low, right? 2021, they the, the league secludes itself. 2022, only two teams get in the regionals. You've got all this money coming in. You mentioned the season, Kendall. One of the issues in the Big Ten is they sponsor a bazillion sports. That's a competitive disadvantage that they have in baseball to their peers. I, you know, I love what you mentioned about Kevin Warren. We've got some pretty exciting coaching transitions in the league. So anyway, I, I, that's why I think the Big Ten is going to be fascinating. There's just a, there's no constants really. Like there's just the swirl of all this stuff. Hey, by the way, these are world class institutions too, Fitzy. Yeah, and I just, you know, I'm so demoralized by the way expansion is shaping our sport. I mean, the fact that obviously baseball has nothing to do with it. Of course, like we're not driving the bus on expansion. And now you got UCLA and USC going to the big 10 and it's just the stupidest thing in the world. (laughs) It is. It's stupid. Everyone knows it's stupid. The fans at UCLA are boycotting Mm. football games. Not that they need an excuse to not show up, but they're boycotting football games because they think it's so stupid that they're going to play in a league. We've got teams on the opposite coast. I mean, what are we doing here? It's just, it's, it's, you know, all these traditional rivalries and things is such an yeah. important fabric of college athletics. We're just blowing it all up. We're doing things that make no geographic sense, all to chase some football money. And I hate it. And, and I just don't think this makes any sense for the Big Ten from a baseball standpoint. Um, it's, it's terrible, you would think, for UCLA and USC. Um, yeah. I don't know that it's good for anyone else either. You know, hey, I mean, let's let's <laughs> save that topic, Fitzy, because I think we can have a really interesting podcast. I thought about this yeah. the other day. If you list out the teams that have transferred conferences, it does not work out well very often. So let's let's save that for another. You can really argue. I mean, you could really argue that a, that like A and M might be one of the few schools that's worked out well for. I mean, I think you could argue Louisville too, and I'm I'm yeah. just talking baseball. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we can name a bunch of schools that have traded, changed conferences. <clears throat> Nebraska, and- Missouri. Missouri. Hey, Missouri was a consistent regional team. Yes. Seven, straight re- seven straight regionals they went to. Right That's now true. with Missouri and the SEC, and this is no offense to Coach Beezer, but the thought of them going to seven straight regionals as an SEC team, there's a better chance of me hitchhiking to the moon is what it feels like. <laughs> right? like it's just- they, haven't, they haven't been to one regional. Have no, not since they entered the conference, right? No question. And, it, and, hey. it's, and, and again, it's not a – yeah, I don't think it's a really a coaching thing. I think that's a really, no. really difficult job if you're not going to have a state-of-the-art facility, which they don't have quite yet. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just a mismatch for the league <laughs> baseball-wise from an investment standpoint in every yeah. – you know, on every budget line item, really, if you if you break it down. Hey, boys, let's do this because we, um, we wanted to keep this one tight. So – there's the, the top 100 programs are on the website right now. It is an awesome read 10 every day. And I'm telling you, you, if you love college baseball, you're going to learn something each day you read these. I, I wrote um, 71 to 80 and I was, you know, I think I know a lot about college baseball and I was fascinated at the revelations that I would run into. And so let's do that boys. Um, let's pick one each from what you wrote up, you know, one team each one that really struck you. Maybe you could do one good, one bad. Um, and by the way, everyone, um, we want to encourage you to subscribe to the website. We've got a really good deal, 20% off. When you go in there, just hit uh, put summer 22 
Um, do all caps just because it looks cooler. Summer 22, you get 20% off. Um, you're welcome. There you go. Um, so let me give you guys two. One on the bad side, I, I wrote up Rice. They were a massive dropper in this year, you know, when we did them 2019, now 2022. Rice has had five straight losing seasons, guys. I mean, it is they, – they were a program that went to a bunch of Omahas. They were an Omaha regular. They won a national title. They've had five straight losing seasons. Um, there's a lot to be positive there, but, man, it feels like they've hit rock bottom. Um, I'll tell you on the positive side, let me bring up Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, I, I just – because the Summit League has gotten better, it's like they're the rising tide that lifts all boats. If, the Oral, if Oral Roberts had not – made that ill-advised move to the Southland for two years, they would have probably gone to 21 straight regionals. They went to 15 straight and then four straight. And that was as recent as 2015 and 2018. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, 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 now it's, it's a fight for them. The Summit League, there's other really good teams in there. So, yeah, fascinating, those two programs. Fitzy, give me, give me one or two for you that, were, that popped out. Well, you know, I, I think out West, I had a couple that I thought were interesting. I, I wound up with a number of, of West Coast programs, the way these write-ups fell. Um, Irvine and Grand Canyon are two teams that are that are on the way up. And, and in Irvine's mm-hmm. case, they had been – the first time we did this, I think in 2015, they were in the 30s. And then they Ooh. were kind of in the 40s. And then last time, two years ago, they had dropped all the way to 81. It just felt like they were really – trending in the wrong direction and uh I, and i do think that you know ben orloff and his staff there those guys have, have gotten it going the right way again you know they won the league outright mm-hmm. last year uh they moved back up to uh what around 70 here i think in our rankings or 68 um you know and then grand canyon making its debut here on our list on our top 100 um just what they've done in, in a short period of time since becoming a division one program they're clearly the class of that conference now um, back-to-back regionals, you know, obviously they get that large this year, which is not easy to do out of the whack. Uh, they might have been probably, they probably would have been even higher on this list uh, if not for, you know, losing Andy Stankwitz. They got to, you know, kind of prove that they can, they can make that transition. And I think they will. And I think Greg mm-hmm. Wallace, I mean, he, he's the right guy to take over there. There's, there's continuity. Um, but uh, uh, that's really an exciting program when it comes to facilities and fan support, um, you know, talent base, all that stuff really stands out there in the West coast compared to the other programs and really in the whole West. I mean, I, I just think that they're, uh, they're really a program that I think has a high ceiling, you know, that they're still just starting to scratch the surface. So those ones Great. stand out. And then the other direction, I mean, Cal, you know, Cal all the way down to what 85 now, I believe they were in the fifties before. It just feels like it's not happening for those guys right now. And it's just, you know, I don't know where they're, where they're headed. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's like there's a glass ceiling there. They just yeah. keep hitting their head on that ceiling. Yep. Yeah. And they're finishing like seventh place in the league, like repeatedly. And they just can't, they can't get over the hump. And it just feels like it's so hard for them to build depth, yep. go to their facilities. And it's the same as it was 20 years ago. You know, they have lights now. That's nice. But I mean, like other than that, you know, that's their big thing. We have lights like your cow for God's mm-hmm. sakes. You're the flagship university for the state of California. You know, it's like, what how how do we not have more at this facility they got tradition they've got everything i mean they got everything they need to be good except for buy-in from the administration um and it's a tough job we all like mike new um, yes i we all think he's the right guy for that job but it's just apparently it's, it's just harder to win there than it, than it ought to be and so that's kind of reflected in their ranking yeah kr what are a couple that jump out for you 
I think on the positive side, I, I look at Charlotte. You know, I, I, we wrote those guys up. You know, they went from underranked to 74. You know, it's probably a little generous with those guys. But, man, I, I love the trajectory of that program. I mean, this is a team that made the postseason a couple of years ago. This is a program that for the longest time, you know, struggled, was kind of a doormat in that league. And, you know, Woody and those guys, you know, they get to the postseason two years ago. Last year, if not for some injuries – um, you know, they're probably knocking on the door to a postseason again. I mean, I, I want to say they finished strong enough to at least be somewhat in the discussion. They weren't going to get in. But, I mean, they were somewhat in the discussion, and it looks like the, 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 they're supposed to be pretty good again next year, you know, based on early returns. So uh, I, I think that program where you look at its location, you look at that staff with, with you know, Robert, and you look at Toby Bicknell, who's a, a kind of a, an infectious personality, really good recruiter, I think that program's going to continue going up, assuming they can kind of keep that staff in tow. But even if they don't, uh, I mean, that that's a school now that's, that even if those guys get another job somewhere, like they they know there is a pathway to win. Um, I think on the negative side for me, I just continue to look at Cal State Fullerton uh, and the fact that, you know, over the last, you know, what, uh, since the last time we did these rankings, uh, they're 69 and 94. And uh, I just think that program, and mm. this isn't a disrespect to Dietz and those guys, but I mean, this is a program that in, in the NIL era, like, I mean, it's, it is a tough pathway for Fullerton to get back to what they were a decade ago. I'm not going to sit here and say they can't do it, but it's a very, very tough pathway to do so. Yep. Big West has got, I mean, there's going to be some real soul searching in that league in baseball with the tradition they have. And you're right, Kendall, the, 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 they are swimming uh, against the tide right now in, in our sport. And it's just, it's shocking. So gentlemen, well done. We said we wanted to keep this on the tighter side. So let's wrap it right there. Still many topics to talk about this fall. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Yeah. I really enjoyed our conversation with Rob Vaughn. Encourage everyone to check that out. So uh, that is it from here. We'll be in touch all fall. Uh, keep checking out the website. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next week.